Well, good morning. It's great to see you today. Great to be together. Thanks for joining in our service this morning. Um, a few days ago, I was talking with a friend of mine, and we both work out at the same gym. And we were talking about how difficult it is right now to be motivated to work out at home. When we would go to the gym, there'd be classes that we could participate and people would yell at us and tell us to do things. Uh, and if we were trying maybe to do just our own workout by ourselves, there was kind of social pressure by just being in a room with other people working out that motivated us to, to do a workout whether we wanted to or not. But it's so much different now that we're home. Uh, we maybe get your workout clothes on, you uh, get your playlist all ready, you put on a pair of shoes, maybe you find another pair of shoes, uh, you figure out what you're going to do your workout, maybe you're watching a YouTube video, you find one that's not too long, a video that's not too short, a workout that doesn't maybe have a whole lot of ab crunches in it, you get a glass of water, uh, go upstairs, make sure nobody else is going to need the room, and you kind of delay and delay and delay until you finally get around to doing the workout. But for me at least, it's not quite the same. It's so hard to be motivated uh, to exercise all by myself at home. And I know some of you and, and, and me as well at times are feeling the same way spiritually. Uh, that you know when we gather here together on Sunday morning and we're part of a group or we get together with our friends at youth group or at the Hope Mission, there's something about being together that just helps us enter in, helps us participate. And really we just sense the benefit a little bit more in our own hearts and our souls and we're all missing that right now. Uh, and then so then to be home by ourselves or even just with our family and to be trying to figure out now how do I nurture myself spiritually in a time when I'm missing out on some of these opportunities, it's difficult. And I know some of you are feeling it. There's days I feel it as well where we just don't feel disciplined enough or we don't know what to do or we're struggling to do the kind of things that we need in order to keep our heart tender to the Lord and for our faith to continue to grow. And I don't say that as judgment. I just realize this is a difficult time. It's exhausting. People have a lot on their minds. And as we look at the chapter uh, number three in the book of Philippians today, Paul is writing to a group of Christians who spiritually are really discouraged. And they're going through such a difficult time. And so he writes them to kind of remind them. Remind them of some things that are so important. And the main theme for Paul is the theme of joy. Now Paul's writing from prison. And so you might think he need, he's writing to them, trying to fabricate or encourage some joy in his life, but actually it's the opposite. He's got lots of joy, and he's writing to these Christians from prison to try to encourage them to get to that place where they can discover joy for themselves. And so he writes them a reminder letter and reminds them of some of the basics of Christian faith so that they can rediscover their joy. We're gonna read this morning, Philippians chapter three. Uh, turn with me to verse one. Get your Bibles out, uh, get your Bible app ready. If you're the kind of person that likes to take notes, I would encourage you to do that. If, you like, if you've been going through and underlining key words, I would encourage you to keep doing that as well as we study and dig in and chew on these verses together this morning. Philippians chapter three, let me just read the first three verses for us. Further, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. There's that joy word again. If you've been circling it, circle it here. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again. He knows they need a reminder. It is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. 
Now, Paul wants to get to joy, but it's gonna take him a while to get through that, get to that, because he's gotta talk about this difficult subject that's going on in the church in Philippi. He uses the language here. He calls uh, some preachers, uh, he refers to them as dogs, as evildoers, and as mutilators of the flesh. Now, when you and I hear about the word dog, uh, we think of this, cute and cuddly. But in the ancient world, when people used the reference to dogs, they were dangerous savages. Uh, They didn't have outfits, they didn't go to the parks, they didn't have carriers to carry them around. They roamed in packs and they attacked people. They were dirty and dangerous. And this is the image that Paul wants us to have in our minds when he's talking about these preachers. Now, Paul is talking about preachers here and he's calling them dogs and I know for some of you, you might have a hard time imagining how anybody could speak poorly of dogs and maybe one or two of you could not imagine how anybody could speak poorly about preachers. But it's true, some people don't like both and I've got a sign to prove it for you here. I came across this lovely sign while on vacation one day, no preachers or dogs allowed. And of course I couldn't resist and so we took this picture uh, because you know we preachers always have to have the last word. Why is Paul calling these preachers dogs? Because they were joy stealers. They were pointing people to a kind of faith that would never give them joy. They were distracting people from all that could be found in Jesus Christ. You remember that these preachers believed that yes, Jesus was great, yes, Jesus was the Son of God, but you needed a few other things to add to your faith in Jesus Christ in order to be a real Christian. You remember Christianity grew out of Judaism and so for the first Jewish Christians they had such a hard time imagining how you could be a Christian without also fulfilling the old commandments of the law. One of them being circumcision, the the day of worship and your diet in particular. And so if you were a non-Jew and wanted to give your life to Christ, they would tell you this, you have to become Jewish first. So their message was Jesus plus Judaism. Jesus plus fulfilling all the requirements of the law. And this was the message. And these are the people that Paul is calling dogs. And why is he so upset about this? Because he knows the power of the gospel does not need any additions to it. The gospel does not need Jesus plus anything else. I mean, we've seen examples of this in our own day, maybe even a generation ago. Uh, Jesus plus a certain political view. Jesus plus a certain Bible translation. Jesus plus certain kind of Christian styles of music. I mean, if you believe that Amy Grant was still a Christian after she got played on secular radio, you were crazy, right? And all of our millennials are right now trying to Google to see who Amy Grant was. But it continues today. There can be this attitude that I have this faith in Jesus, but then I need these other things as well in order to have joy. And Paul is angry at these teachers, calls them dogs, and calls them again to believe in the good news of the gospel. The gospel is the story of a generous God who loves us, who descends to us, as we talked about a few weeks, comes down, enters the, enters the world through his son, puts a towel over his arm, and comes to express to us his love. And not only that, he comes to a people who've been separated by God because of our sin and our brokenness. And Jesus, through his death on a cross, provides a way for you and I to be made right with God. In fact, oftentimes we talk, we've talked about the great exchange. 
The fact that when we come to Christ, we hand over to him all of our sin and brokenness. In exchange, he gives to us the righteousness of Christ. So that when God looks down on you and I, he no longer sees our brokenness, but instead he sees the rightness of Jesus Christ covering us. And Paul asks this question, how could you add anything to that? And this gospel came to these first believers in Philippi, came to Lydia on the beach that day when she opened her heart to the Lord, to the young slave girl who'd been possessed and was set free, to the Philippian jailer and his family while they're sitting and having dinner together and Paul shares the gospel. It just surrounds their life and they become, and they're baptized. It's a powerful message that continues to transform lives. And maybe in this time of isolation, this time of difficulty, you've been thinking, I need to add something to my faith in order to revive it. And Paul would call us back to again, believe again the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel in and of itself is enough to give us the joy we need. Now, if Paul was going to claim that you could add something to your faith to make it stronger or to make it better, he would have a right claim for it. Let me read for you verses four to six. This is what he says. If someone thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh or the things that we do, and thereby the things that we would add to our faith, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Paul is saying if it was possible to get joy by adding things to your faith, I've got the resume, the religious resume that would prove it. I was born into the right family. My parents raised me the right way. They taught me to speak Hebrew at home. I didn't learn the pagan language of the community around me. They shipped me off to the best boarding schools where I learned under the best teachers to to learn how to be the very best student. And I was the best student. He said, I was zealous. I persecuted the church. I carried out the wills of the Jewish people. And when it came to the law, all 613 commandments found in the Old Testament, faultless. If resume enough, and plus Jesus could give you joy, Paul says, I would have it. But he says that's not the case. In fact, listen to what he says in verses seven and eight, and I'm gonna read it to you from a little bit of a different translation. The very credentials these people, so these, these preachers, are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. So I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Paul says, when I compare all that I have found in Jesus alone, compared with my religious resume, one word comes to mind, and that word is garbage. Now, when this letter was read in church and Paul said this language, uh, there would have been two responses. 
Some of the people there would have laughed and other people would have sent him an angry email because the word garbage here literally means dog dung. In fact, if you have a dog, you know what this little bag is for. You're out for a walk with your little critter and uh, it does his business and you pick it up and you wrap it up in this little bag and what do you do? You throw it away. This is the language that Paul is employing to capture for the mind of these believers what his religious resume means in comparison to everything that Jesus has given to him. That it's worthless. It's nothing in comparison to this. And I think in this uncertain time, we're all reflecting and discovering and thinking about our faith and re- trying to take, make stock of what is worthless and what is worth to me. What in my life am I gonna hold on to? What in my life am I going to be letting go of? This is a time of deep reflection. Let me just share two things that I've been thinking about and hearing from people as I've been talking to them. One is this. Paul shows us there's a poverty here in just a religious life. It's very easy to hide behind a lot of religious activities. We dress up, we go to church, we talk the talk, not as a way to draw closer to God, but actually as a way of keeping God at a distance. That it's completely possible for our religious activities to become a barrier from us having intimacy with the Lord. We can, and then we can justify this lack of intimacy, well, because we're reading our Bible. We're going to three different Bible studies a week. We've got a screensaver of Jesus on our computer. But it's actually an excuse from experiencing real faith and real intimacy with the Lord. And maybe in this time of limited activity, not being able to go to church, not being able to connect in different ministry settings, you're discovering in your own life that maybe that's been you that you've been busy at church and you've been doing lots of religious things, but your faith really isn't where you would want it to be today. Maybe you're discovering that you don't really have faith at all, that you've been coming to church and you've been coming with friends, you've been coming with a spouse or with your family, and you enjoy it, it's, a, it's your social place, but it's not where your soul is being fed because you have never really made the decision to welcome Jesus Christ into your life, or to use the language that Paul used a second ago here, to be embraced by him. You know, maybe this is a time, in this time of isolation, when you would discover that faith can be born in you for the very first time. And this could be a time when you could discover what it truly means to have Christ embrace you. That this time could actually be a gift. In fact, Paul goes on in these verses, and I want to share these uh, to you because these words are so beautiful and they're inviting and they're honest. Let me share them with you. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth that passes everything else of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And listen to this, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, or comes from being busy religiously, but that is found through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And listen to these words, is this your prayer today? I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, and even participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining the resurrection of the dead. 
Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. I love this honesty. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul is issuing us today an invitation to be found in him. What if during this time of COVID-19 and this time of being home and not being able to participate in church and faith activities like you had before, you're discovering a real poverty of soul and that God is reaching out to you in this time and inviting you for the very first time to put your trust in him, that you could be found in him. This is the language of intimacy. This is the language of relationship. This is what Paul is talking about, isolated, alone, in prison, saying, I've got more joy than I can handle here. And he's issuing that invitation to you and I today to come to a place of surrender and say, God, this great exchange, if you're willing to take all of my sin and all of my brokenness, I would humbly welcome your righteousness in my life, that I could be known in you that I could experience the, forget, what, the joy of forgiveness, the joy that comes of being a part of your family, the joy that comes from knowing that my life now has new purpose. What if in this season you would welcome Christ into your hearts and be found in him? But there's another invitation here today too. In this season, it is so easy to beat ourselves up and to think that we don't measure up, to think that we need to do more, that we need to be more, that we, our faith better be stronger and our faith should be greater. But did you hear Paul's honesty in this passage? I haven't gotten there yet. This is the vision, this is the goal, and I'm gonna keep keeping on. I'm going to press on to the very thing that Jesus has made available for me. And maybe in this season, if you're finding your, straight, your faith is weak, if you're discouraged in any way, Paul would say to you, Press on. Don't give up. I had many seasons like that myself. I'm in one of those right now, but continue to press on. And the Lord will be with you each step of the way. Remove this guilt that we have that we need to be this perfect Christian and come honestly into the Lord's presence and allow his spirit to meet you there and to give you what you need as you continue to take the next step forward in your faith. Press on. Let me pray for you today. Lord, this morning we come to you with our hands open because we need you. We're so grateful that there's these passages, these verses that remind us again what faith is truly all about. Lord, we can make it so complicated. We can turn ourselves inside out with all of these thoughts and expectations, but it comes back to the good news of the gospel. And so today, Lord, we simply open our hands and we say thank you for all that you have given us. We find our goodness in you. We find our right standing before, before God because of all that Christ has done for us. And Lord, today maybe there's someone watching this service who has never truly opened their hearts and welcomed you in and allowed you to exchange their sin and brokenness for your righteousness. Lord, today would you give them the courage to open their hearts and receive with great joy your salvation. And Lord, today maybe there's people watching who've just been discouraged and they're beating themselves up and they're not feeling like a very good Christian in this season. Lord, would they hear these words today to press on? 
that God is going to meet them exactly where they are at and give them what they need for the days to come. And Lord, that they would not give up. And we thank you for all of these encouraging things in Christ's name. Amen.